Well, hello everybody, and uh, here we have a very special uh, Coffee with uh, Innovate Finance podcast. I'm delighted to have Imran joining us today from the Open Banking Implementation Entity, or otherwise known as OBIE. Um, I think he, uh, Imran needs no introduction for what he's done to push forward open banking on behalf of the industry. Um, I'm delighted to, to have him here today to talk about some of the exciting news that's been announced this week. Imran, thanks for joining. Charlotte, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Um, so let's just start, you know, a lot of people know open banking. We've got a lot of fintechs here, obviously, who are very, very engaged on open banking uh, startups. You know. But you know, just for other people, you know, why is open banking being so important with, within financial services? You know, just talk about the products and services it enables and just give our listeners a brief overview of what it has the power to facilitate. Yeah, absolutely. Look, for, for those that aren't in the open banking bubble, Open banking is uh, it's a really important innovation that we're bringing to the UK market at the behest of the government to really empower citizens, consumers, and small businesses. What we're trying to do is shift the balance of power more in favor of the consumer within the financial services space. And, and the way that we're doing that is by recognizing a fundamental right. Uh, and that right uh, is that the, the data that the financial institution holds on the customer actually belongs to the customer and not to the financial institution. And if we can empower people to make use of that data in a much more simple and safe way, then through that, they can actually get access to better services. They can make more informed decisions about their financial, about their financial services future. And, um, and that really is what open banking is at its very heart. How does that actually work in practice? Well, what we've done is we have required uh, the largest banks here in the UK to build a single um, uh, technological channel, it's called an API, and that allows consumers to access their data um, in ways that suit them rather than suit their banks. And when they share that data, that information with other authorized third parties, then it opens up a whole swathe of new services that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to get access to. So let, let me give you just a couple of examples of that so it's, it's more meaningful for people. Um, well, actually, through open banking, what you can do is that you can look at your data in such a way that it helps you budget. It helps you see where you're spending your money, see how much you perhaps should be saving or how much you can afford to spend, um, and really make sure that you don't get into difficulties at the end of the week or at the end of the month. Um, but you can also use that information to be able to access other products that you might not have been able to get access to. So in this country, we've got loads of people that are, have what we call thin credit files, which means that they find it really hard to get access to credit. They should be able to, but they can't. Um, and now many credit providers are able to use the open banking feeds uh, in order to grant credit to those individuals. Um, for others who may be able to get access to credit, it's just difficult, it's inconvenient, it's troublesome. Um, we all remember that, that point where you're trying to get a new mortgage or a new credit card or a personal loan and you have to find your bank statements and print them off and scan them and post them and email them and all that kind of stuff. Such a palaver. Well actually using uh, open banking, there are third parties out there that can take away all that hassle for you. Uh, they can take it away by 
um, sorting out your affordability checks and your suitability requirements and even elements of KYC and AML. It's all very nerdy, but it's part of the, the um, inconvenience that people go through when they're doing all these, these kind of things. Um, and we must absolutely you know, not forget that um, small businesses as well can benefit from open banking. And in the current environment, cash is king. There are many businesses that are really hand to mouth at the moment. Um, and they really need to know where their cash is and how much money they've got. And of course, through open banking, the cloud accounting platforms can connect directly to their bank accounts. Um, and they can see all that information in real time with provenance uh, and really help and support small business owners uh, really kind of keep on top of their businesses. And of course, then it can help them find new sources of, of credit. So all this, all this kind of stuff, if you like, is happening. Uh, there are um, oodles more uh, propositions to come as well in the payment space. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, but there's an awful lot going on. And, and I should say, Charlotte, as well, that um, we've also been um, really pleasantly surprised by the number of offerings that no one expected that sit outside of the core financial services space. Um, you know, there are things there that actually will help uh, debt charities better understand uh, the financial situation of some of those people that are unfortunately on debt management plans, and they can help many more of them using open banking. There are other people that you can use open banking to set up alerts for loved ones if they're worried about fraud or they're worried about going overdrawn uh, and they want carers or loved ones uh, to be able to help them. And one I like very much that I heard of just, just a couple of days ago, Charlotte, um, is, a, is an app uh, which, which using open banking will review your bank statement data and estimate what your um, carbon uh, footprint is uh, and, and suggest ways in helping you uh, do the right thing for the environment. So there's tons of, of innovation that's coming out of this, which is what we hoped and uh, is really exciting to see. Yeah, that's great, Iman, because you know, certainly I saw that last week and you know, I think most people wouldn't recognise that that comes from open banking. They would just say, that's an you know, amazing power that I can have to understand my carbon footprint. Nobody really, and nobody has to worry about the, you know, the technical piece behind it, but it's important that we do attribute some of those great advances you on you know, on the work that you do. I mean, it's obviously phenomenal to see the success you know, on open banking. You, know, you just talk a little bit maybe about the progress made you know, in the UK so far. You know, what's your journey been you know, as part of this? Um, you know, and maybe some of the challenges you faced along the way. <laughs> well, uh, the um, you know the, the UK government had a visionary stance of open banking way back when. Uh, and, you know, it's taken us quite a long time to get this far, um, not just because it's, it's technically challenging, but we absolutely wanted to make sure that we built safety and security right into the architecture uh, of what we were doing, right into the heart of what we're doing. So, so the consumer, the customer, the small businesses interested, interests are our top priority. Um, the where, where we are today, uh, is we are almost finished with the um, mandatory implementation. So that's the bit that the regulator requires. Um, I would say that we're about 90% of the way there. Um, clearly, COVID um, has stretched out our timelines. The banks 
have a lot of work to do to make open banking work and have a lot on with the pandemic. Um, so we have given them a little bit more time, quite justifiably, to do that. So I'm hoping that we conclude with the implementation over the course of 2020 and 2021. Um, and, and the bits that are missing in the implementation are around the payments piece. Uh, and I think we're going to see some really exciting propositions in, in that area to come. Um, the, the way to think about uh, kind of where we are is exactly as you said, open banking um, isn't something that any user is going to wake up in the morning and say, I really want to use open banking. Open banking is an enabling technology. It sits behind the scenes a little bit, frankly, like the way the internet works. People don't use the internet. People actually use the services that sit on top of the internet. The internet is the kind of the road or the, or the rails that all of these other clever services sit on. It's the same way with open banking. So, so the next step I always try and keep an eye on is uh, once the implementation's done is have, we've got, have we got authorized third parties um, who will build those propositions for consumers? Um, and we have. We have got so many of them, um, it actually surprises me when I, you know, I look at it uh, every day. Um, we are so fortunate here in the UK to have such a vibrant fintech sector. Um, we have 300 uh, or so um, fintechs who are in various stages of authorization that have um, enrolled within open banking and all of them are in various stages of bringing uh, really exciting propositions to market. We have another 300 or so technical service providers who are making it easier for other businesses and banks to also engage with open banking. So that is a fantastic growth story in its own right. And um, uh, if, if anyone listening wants to know more, they should go to the Open Banking website where we've got a craftily named page called the Open Banking App Store, which is actually more of a list uh, of the 80 or so uh, third parties, mostly fintechs, who've got live open banking enabled products in the market. Um, and I encourage you to have a look and, and, and try some. There's some really quite uh, innovative products there. But Charlotte, the final pillar, of course, is, is anyone using this? Um, and I'm very pleased to say that this, um, uh, uh, very recently we announced that uh, 2 million users are actively using open banking every month. And uh, that's, that's really quite encouraging, um, most notably because it looks like it's doubling approximately every six months. So this really demonstrates to us that consumers are willing to engage with open banking. And, and really that fundamental principle, which was just an idea at the very beginning, which is that if you give uh, citizens, small businesses, the ability to exercise their rights over their own data, and you do it in a simple, safe and secure way, uh, then they'll, they'll use it. Uh, and these numbers genuinely show that that's the case. And, and of course, the growth uh, makes me believe that we're really just at the start of this. And so um, I, I think open banking will soon be characterized as a quiet revolution. No, that's great and, and congratulations on the two million um, milestone you know certainly I've been seeing you know, amazing numbers of 
um, you know, online banking, obviously adoption coming through from people who never thought they would use online banking before in their lives, you know, some of the elderly that's helped through the crisis. So it's such a relevant conversation, you know, at the moment. Um, you know, if we go to the other side, you know, there's obviously some critics would say that the cost and work involved hasn't resulted in wide scale adoption or not enough yet. And there's sometimes skeptical on the success. You know, I think you know, it's only fair to, you know, to give you the chance to respond to that, you know, and then sort of how you also measure the success of the implementation. Yeah, I, I, look, it, it's, a, it's a, a fair point of view. I think the important thing is, is that I don't for a moment think that we're just going to stop with two million. I can see open banking being widely adopted by the mainstream and, and not just the, uh, the hipsters of Shoreditch. Uh, I genuinely mean by uh, people up and down the country for all sorts of usages. And, and they may not appreciate, as, as you were saying, Charlotte, that they are using open banking. In some regards, success is that open banking is hidden and it, it really sits there in the background. We want people to engage with financial services. We know that if they do engage, they'll make better decisions for themselves. They'll select better products and competition will work in their favor. And, and that for me is the kind of the nub of this, that that's what success means. And if we've got more people using it, that's a pretty good indication. So, you know, to those skeptics out there, I'd say, I think you're being quite brave to bet against open banking as it sits now. This is very, very early days. Um, who would ever have said that contactless cards didn't, um, you know, uh, change the face of, of payments, but yet it took seven years of very low adoption before it finally exploded. Maybe we'll see something like that in open banking. The one thing I can say is that amongst all the myriad of propositions out there, there will be some killer apps. It may mean that we need to wait until payments properly takes off uh, before we see that. Um, but there's no reason at all to think that it won't, uh, particularly with some of the additions to functionality that we're going to be bringing out over the course of, of the coming months. And, and to the point, Charlotte, around the cost, open banking uh, is expensive. Uh, it has been expensive for the banks to, to implement. And um, the, but I think you do need to get that in context. The actual cost of open banking itself as a regulatory requirement uh, the incremental cost is nowhere near as high as being reported. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I think one is that under European legislation, something called PSD2 was required anyway. And a large proportion of the costs associated with open banking are actually PSD2 costs. So whether or not we did this, the banks were going to have to make good on that obligation and, and fund that, that cost anyway. But the second point that's crucially important is that whichever way you look at it, the banks had to undertake a whole series of technological upgrades that they were gonna do anyway. And what open banking has done is it's required them to do them upfront and at the same time of everyone else. But they were gonna do them over the next five years. The, the move to cloud, the use of APIs, the upgrades to security platforms, these were all in the bank's long-term plans. The fact that they had to bring them forward does not make them open banking costs. They needed to do them uh, as part of their technological, te technological upgrade. And what we've done uh, is we've ensured that they've done it in a standardized way uh, so that open banking can work and be as free and open to competition as possible.
Great. And I'd, I'd love to say in the middle of that, that I think uh, I must be therefore uh, known as a hipster in Shoreditch because I use open banking. So I'm somewhat encouraged by that after <laughs> a, a long time in the square mile. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously looking to the future of open banking, you know, just interested in your view on that, what that looks like for banks, you know, who, you know, who are obviously uh, going to be using this potentially against other competitors to fintechs, you know, and what does the transition to open finance look like? Yeah, look, well, there's, I think we're at a really exciting time for the banks themselves. When, when I started on this journey and we decided we wanted to make open banking a regulatory requirement, uh, the, I was encouraged to think about the banks through the lens of uh, compete, sorry, comply, compete, innovate. So through those, you know, that kind of framework and pretty much all of the efforts up until very recently has all been in the comply bucket. But what I'm really excited to see now is that the beginning, the big banks are beginning to think about compete and also about innovate. And, and one of the things that I am really excited and encouraging to see is what I call premium APIs. So the premium APIs differ from the regulatory APIs, which is what open banking is today, in the sense that they use exactly the same infrastructure, which the banks have funded, to offer the kind of APIs that they want to offer within the commercial space, so under commercial contract. And, and I think this is gonna be really powerful for the marketplace because it, it gets the, um, the element of innovation driven by commercial demand to the benefit of the third parties and of course to the consumers, but crucially to the banks themselves and can really spur innovation on. And some of the things that I hope that open banking implementation entity can play a role in supporting, but not directing, are some of these premium APIs. And Charlotte, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some really interesting premium APIs around customer attributes, which of course is a subset of, of digital identity. Uh, and that I think could be incredibly compelling. The, the next part that I think we could see that in the near term, the next part though, which is really um, exciting is the prospect of open finance. So if we can um, think of open banking as a stepping stone and then think about, well, what happens if we incorporate other products in a similar vein to open banking, such as, uh, pensions, savings, uh, mortgages, insurance, then you genuinely hold the prospect that individuals up and down the country can see all of their financial relationships just in one place, in one convenient app. Again, making better decisions, making sure they've got the right um, uh, products for them, not wasting money on products they don't need, not getting stuck on, uh, on products that automatically uh, tick up in terms of charges uh, and, and crucially making the right decisions for them. It could be incredibly empowering. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm lobbying hard government and the FCA to make sure that uh, we don't lose momentum now and that open finance itself can become a thing. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, obviously we've got FinTech strategic review coming up, the, the Khalifa review as well, yeah. which I know you're inputting into that and, you know, some really exciting opportunities to look at that as well. Um, you know, just maybe just to finish off, you know, just maybe some exciting news, you know, what, what's the most exciting news you've got coming up on the horizon? 
over the coming Sorry, Charlotte, I actually lost you there a little bit, but I think oh. you're asking me, what, what am I most excited about in the, in the near term? Uh, That's right, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, what's the most exciting news? And as I said, I'm just interested in, you know, in the opportunities you know, to input into, into the Khalifa review as well. Yeah, well, uh, do you know what? The open finance consultation uh, closes in a day or two. So I'm really excited to see what kind of response from industry uh, the FCA has. And of course, um, uh, like all these things, it will be coming from very different ends of the spectrum. Um, I am absolutely excited to be participating in Ron Khalifa's review. I think the UK has got a phenomenal position in fintech and um, anything we can do to build upon that would be great. And open banking is a real thing with six uh, to 700 or so third parties invested in the open banking ecosystem. There's something here to build out from. But Charlotte, you, you know, the thing that I think is going to be most meaningful to people outside of our uh, outside of our bubble is when some of these open banking payments propositions come online and we had a long hard discussion about it but i'm very pleased to say that refunds has been built into the functionality and of course once refunds are built in then open banking has a real prospect of being used within e-commerce and that's something that is a massive growth area phenomenally important during the crisis people up and down the country are using that and uh, i think they will soon be seeing open banking payments uh, made available to them for, for those that actually contributed to major tom's fundraise uh, during the lockdown uh, one of our um, open banking payment companies was actually trialing a version on that and it's really encouraging to see how quickly that worked uh, how well it worked. Customers didn't have to put in lots of numbers to make it work. It was super convenient for them. And frankly, the charity benefited because it didn't have to pay uh, extra uh, money on card fees. So really good news there. I mean, that's fantastic. And I'm, you know, I'm so happy that you know, things are going so well, Imran. I know it's been a long journey for you so far and uh, you know, still a way to go, but you know, some really great things coming up in open banking and I know from you know from the fintech sector they really appreciate all the work you're doing as they drive through some of those products um, so unfortunately our time has come to the end for the uh, coffee with innovate finance in this special podcast to discuss um, all the success of open banking Imran thank you so much for your time today and we look forward to seeing you soon it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much